I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, we are in conversation with Ohio State men's basketball legend, Joey Lane. Despite being a criminally underused walk-on for the Buckeyes, Joey Buckets achieved cult figure status as one of the most beloved members of the basketball program over the last four years. Having graduated, Lane is now following in the footsteps of another former Buckeye walk-on turned internet celebrity, Mark Titus, and is hosting a podcast called Driving the Lane, which you can get anywhere you find great podcasts. Additionally, Driving the Lane is having a live show this Thursday in Chicago ahead of the Ohio State football team's Friday night game in Evanston against Northwestern. It will be from 7 to 9 Central Time at McGee's on Webster in Chicago. You can get more info at Drive the Lane Pod on Twitter or by following Joey, which you should, at JoeySmoke14. Anyway, in our conversation, Joey and I talk about his time at Ohio State, his rivalry with Andrew Dockage, why Chris Holtman told him that the 2018 team was a bunch of lunatics, what to expect from Ohio State's incoming freshmen, and much, much more. So, with all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with Joey Lane. All right, Joey, my first question is probably the most important one. Now that you have graduated and moved on, who is taking over as the leader of the Tal gang? Huh, that's uh, that's funny. That's probably the question that's been asked to me the most, whether <laughs> seriously or sarcastically. And I think that we have two dudes on the team right now that that aren't quite wired the same way as I am, and it's not fair to expect that anyone else will be. Not because I was amazing or anything like that, just but just because I'm a wacky, weird dude. I mean, we got Danny Hummer and Harrison Hookman, who are two awesome, awesome, incredible walk-ons in every sense of it. They're super positive dudes. They're great basketball players. They're great teammates. They're great um, great in the classroom. Um, I don't know if they'll be carrying on the legage, the legacy in the most traditional um, way. It's funny you say that because we actually play an exhibition game against um, Cedarville, who their entire bench, like five or six guys, calls themselves the towel gang based on based on what I had going on, which is kind of funny. That's awesome. And so, yeah, I mean, our, the worlds are kind of colliding, and I probably will be there for the exhibition game for that reason. Um, but, yeah, I don't know who will carry on the legacy. Um, I'm sure that one one time one person will have a picture with a towel around their neck, and someone will, everyone will say, oh, my God, look, the towel gang, ah, and it'll be great for me, and then they won't care at all about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well – it's 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 starting a, a trend and a legacy that you're leaving behind. Not everybody can live up to the original, but uh, they'll try in their own way. So, what do you think made you? Why did that become a thing? Like, you know, I think in college basketball, one of the things is is that the guys that are walk-ons and and the people on the bench 
these reactions and stuff has become really popular in recent years, especially on big dunks and on threes or stuff. But for some reason, what you were doing caught on. What, why is that? What, what did you do that was different than maybe a lot of the other you know, people in your situation across the country? Um, you know, that, uh, now that I've had kind of some time to take a step back and realize what was kind of going on, I think that two things probably stood out the most to me. I think the first was um, just being relatable. I think a lot of people saw themselves as a guy who was a good high school basketball player, um, short guy, probably a white guy that thought that they could play um, college basketball. And the fact that, you know, they saw me doing that, they could kind of relate to me. Um, as the bench warmer, maybe they were the bench warmer on their middle school or high school team, um, maybe even college team. I think that, you know, being relatable um, and making fun of myself, I think that was kind of one thing um, that people kind of got from from me that maybe no one else was doing before me. Um, but then also, I just think um, going above and beyond on social media, just re- just re- when people reached out to me, I would always respond to them. Um being a guy on a team, even when we were losing or winning, I was always posting on social media, be, you know, just letting people know that, you know, we're humans and uh, um, just giving them something positive to look at and look forward to every single game. I just think um, not everyone uh, wants to do that, see, sees that as something um, that is, you know, maybe okay to do on a, on a coll- collegiate team. I just think that, um, you know, the coaches first and foremost, they let me embrace it. But um, I just was like, you know what, I'm, I'm here, I'm going to make something out of this. And um, I want to be able to um, respond to kids who are reaching out to me or sending me messages because I was that kid. Um, so I guess it all comes back to being relatable. And, um, you know, I took pride in representing a large community of people who, who maybe were, uh, <laughs> you know, looked over and in their recruiting lives or, or whatever that might've been. Um, but yeah, I think just being relatable went a, went a really long way. There's kind of a history of Ohio state walk-ons getting a bit of notoriety for themselves between you and then Mark Titus. Did you ever talk with, with Titus about the legacy that you guys had in common? Uh, yeah. I mean, we talked, we talked a lot about it. Um, not necessarily like super specifically about it, uh, but we became good friends while I was at school because obviously we shared a unique bond that not a lot of other people had um, in terms of just being a walk-on, but then also being, you know, the funny guy that everyone um, looks at and laughs at. Um, but what's also funny is that whenever Mark would come to, to practices or whatever, uh, he was a big Cubs fan. So we could bond over the Cubs and especially when they won the world series back in tw- uh, 2016. Um, we talked a lot about that and then sometimes it would shift to basketball and he would try and pick my brain about stuff going on with Ohio state so that he could put, he could tweet about it. He could post about <laughs> it. He could write about it um, or he could throw it on his podcast, whatever that might be. Um, so yeah, we talked about, um, you know, being walk-ons in this, in the same similar world and being um, <laughs> somewhat nobodies once we got there and then riding the coattails of other dudes to get uh, <laughs> uh, some, some, some free publicity and stuff. So yeah, we, uh, we talked about we t- we talk about that a little bit for sure. Uh, one thing that helped Titus's uh, kind of notoriety, he had this. I don't know if it, how much of it was real, how much of it was tongue in cheek, but he had like this rivalry and feud with Evan Turner. Did you have a similar rivalry or feud with anyone that that you played with, whether it was legit, like throwing down in the locker room, or like a, a fun, fun loving, good natured 
rivalry, you know, that, you know, kind of started on the practice court or something? Um, well, first and foremost, no offense to any of my former teammates, but no one was as good as Evan Turner was. So <laughs> Fair. Yeah, very uh, fair. So it was hard. It, it would have been fun if I was there with D'Angelo Russell because now we're kind of buddies and, you know, we don't have that teammate bond. Um, but it could have been fun if me and him were there because that would have taken my antics to a whole nother level being on more nationally televised games and also having someone that is the polar opposite of me. Um, but looking back on it, the closest thing was probably my junior year when we had Andrew Dockich. Um, and just because that he turned into being one of my best friends um, and we came from similar worlds and um, I've told a lot of people this, but he was, you know, an ob- he was a great dude, a great teammate and embraced um, us making a ton of fun of him and him being from Michigan and stuff. And so Obviously, I made a lot of fun of him for that, and so did the rest of my teammates. But also because we were the same exact player, um, but he got to play and I didn't, which <laughs> was very funny to me. And you know, obviously, I believe in myself, and and I know that I could have done very similar things to what Andrew did. But he was an incredible player for that team, and no one could have really filled the shoes and what he brought to the table the way he did. Um, so it was hard to make fun of him at the end of the day because he was helping us out so so much, um, but. Like I said, we still talk about it all the time. Um, I go back to Columbus and I'm hanging out in the coaches' offices, and I'll sit in Jake Diebler's office and talk with him and Dockage for hours, hours about who is uh, a better offensive player, me or Andrew. And it's not even close; it was me. But um, he he definitely got it done on the defensive end, and he could uh, he could be a point guard and get the ball to the best players a little bit better than I would because I would feel like I had to get some shots up because I was a better offensive player than him. So Dockage is the closest guy um, to my Evan Turner, but it's not even close to the same thing as what him and Titus had. Yeah. yeah. Well, Joey Buckets. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a reason you had that nickname, of course. Um, Well, speaking of Dockage, you have had him on your new podcast, Drive the Lane, which is, I'm assuming it'll change a little bit as we get into basketball season, but in the first few months that you've been doing it, there's been some basketball talk, there's been some football talk, there's been discussions about a lot of other things. For folks who haven't listened to the podcast, can you just kind of let them know what they can expect from this show? Uh, yeah, I mean, Drive the Lane, it's available on um, all, wherever you get your podcasts from, uh, just a little little plug right there, but yeah, um, it's, a, it's a sports-based podcast for sure, in Ohio State, and even Ohio podcast for sure, my co-host, um, Andrew Zolden is a huge Ohio State fan who didn't get to go to Ohio State, unfortunately, um, but still like lives and breathes and eats the Buckeyes. So he's a, still a big Ohio State fan. So, um, and he's also a huge Cleveland Browns fan. His family is is from Ohio. So um, we get into the Cleveland Browns stuff. We get into um, a lot of Ohio State talk, especially football right now, but slowly transitioning into basketball related stuff. Um, uh, we I, we don't take ourselves too seriously, if you can believe that. Um, there's a lot of joking around. Um, whenever we have guests on, we definitely get serious and talk about what they're known for and what, what they bring to the table. But then we ask them some goofy questions also. Uh, if you, Like I said, if you can believe it, we like to have a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been great so far. We actually have a live show in Chicago um, coming up Thursday night, right before the Northwestern game on Friday night, which will be a lot of fun. That's a McGee's Tavern out in Chicago. Um, if any Chicago guys or any people from Ohio are coming in, we'd love to see you there. Just mention drive the lane at the door because that helps your boys out a little bit. Um, but yeah, the podcast has been an absolute blast. I love to talk. Um, so it's great to be able to 
talk into a microphone to a ton of people for no reason and just for fun. Uh, it's been a blast to get to have a lot of my buddies on. I mean, the guests are only going to get better um, as basketball season comes around because once we turn into a basketball podcast and not a football podcast, um, that's kind of my bread and butter, obviously. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. So who do you have a dream guest that you would like to have, whether it's somebody you are buddies with or not? Is there someone that you're like, okay, if I, I know we will have made it when we get so-and-so on the podcast. Wow. Um, let's see. I'm going to answer that two, I'll answer that in two different ways. So a reasonable guest that I'd love to have on would be Clark Kellogg. Um, yeah, makes he's, sense. He's the man. Awesome dude. I've had a million conversations with him. Um, and not about the podcast, unfortunately. I haven't gotten to talk to him about that, but um, obviously he was around a ton my four years. Um, so he would be really fun and different guest because we've had guys that are, I'm not saying Clark is old by any sense, but, but it would be cool to talk a little bit about, you know, basketball back in the day, so to speak. Um, and, um, and obviously he's been able to call some of the greatest games in college basketball in recent years. Um, so that would be super, super cool. Um, and a, definitely a reasonable guest. Um, another guy, if we're talking, I guess I'm just going to go on tangents talking about guests now, but another guy that we'd really want to have on, and we've talked about a lot is Gus Johnson. Um, uh-huh. That would be so, so fun because he brings the football. He brings the basketball. He calls a million Ohio State games. Um, he, or just, I mean, I, I met him once in my four years, and uh, the conversation that we had was, was very, very funny. And it, it was just crazy hearing the voice that you hear on TV in person. Totally. That'll just never get old. So I think those two guys are what immediately comes to mind. I mean, we start talking NBA guys. I mean, having LeBron James or having, you know, Steph Curry or – um, you know, whoever there's a, there's a bunch of guys that would be super, super cool to have on. Um, but yeah, we're grateful right now for having the little, little pool of Ohio state connections that I kind of, that I kind of have, uh, have made over the last four years. It's been, it's been really fun. Yeah. So far you've had guys, uh, like Dockich, we mentioned, uh, you've had Aaron Kraft, Terry McLaurin, Joshua Perry, Tyvis Powell, a uh, lot of really good folks. So, um, you got that people should subscribe wherever they get their podcasts. It's a great listen. And I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys come up with, with basketball season. But now that we're talking about basketball season, let's turn over to talk a little bit about this year's Ohio state team. I think most of, if not all of Ohio state fandom has really fallen in love with coach Holtman since he got to Columbus. But I don't think that we've really gotten to know a ton about him personally. He doesn't seem, uh, you know, he hasn't been out there doing a ton of, you know, personal life interviews. Uh, so I wonder from your perspective, what's he like as a coach, both on the court, like in practice situations and stuff. And then also what's he like away from the court? You know, first and foremost, I mean, just an all around great guy. Um, as you can imagine, I was really nervous losing coach Mata and not knowing what was going to be next. But as soon as Holman got hired, I was getting texts left and right about you're going to love him. You're going to love him. I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll see. And, and from the minute I met him, he called, he FaceTimed me when he met with the team um, in that little secret meeting or whatever that they talked about. Um, he FaceTimed me and was like, hey, Joey, you know, just, just so you know, we're super excited um, to get you here because I was um, recovering from a surgery back in Chicago at the time. He said, we're super excited to get you here and get going. And, you know, I kind of fell in love with him, so to speak, right there. Um, the dude was just awesome, awesome guy. And then, you know, when you put the the walk on back on scholarship, I mean, like I I, I owe I owe that guy my life. So, uh, yeah. um, but in terms of practice wise, I mean, 
he's a very calm, cool, and collected guy. If you mess up, he's going to yell at you um, like any other coach, but it's, but it's all purposeful. He's not yelling just to yell. He's not a hothead. He doesn't throw temper tantrums, anything like that. He's, it's just like on the court, maybe twice a year um, in, in live games is he freaking out at a ref or getting a technical or whatever. Um, in practice, he's pretty – you know, when people make mistakes, he understands he, they're not trying to make a mistake. Uh, so he he's really good about being patient and and he's a very caring dude. But then off the court, uh, he's he's pretty funny. He doesn't get enough credit for being funny, um, whether that's because he doesn't know the latest trends or or whatever that might be. Um, he's a funny guy. When we one story sticks out in particular, when we went to Spain, um, he actually was like never, ever with us uh, when we were doing a lot of the team stuff. But finally, he came on a tour with us. And I mean, midway through the tour, he was like, you know, Joe, this is this is pretty cool. But now you know why I don't really venture out with you guys. You guys are a bunch of lunatics. So, um, <laughs> yeah, is that fair? Were you guys a bunch of lunatics? Oh, absolutely. And in a foreign country, a bunch of six, seven and above dudes walking around. I mean, we had a lot of eyeballs on us. So um, we had a lot of fun in Spain. But yeah, Coach Hold is, is an awesome, awesome dude. Cares so much about the team. Family atmosphere for sure. Um, he's going to be not, not only has he already brought Ohio state basketball back, um, he's going to turn them into an elite elite program soon. I think. Absolutely. What, what do you think is the thing that kind of separates him from other coaches? And I'm not necessarily comparing him to coach Mata. Cause I think all Ohio state fans love coach Mata. So it's not a one or the other, but like, if you had to single out one thing about Holtman that makes him a great coach, what would it be? I think uh, it's the belief that um, his players have in him. I think that from pretty early on, it was clear that we were going to fight for him. Um, We believed in what he told us. And then, you know, it's funny looking back, my junior year, the Clemson game, um, we kind of had a mini, mini lapse in, you know, basically judgment uh, in terms of what we had going on. And we lost. Not only we lost, we lost kind of bad towards the end and we stopped playing hard. And he let us know, he's like, hey, you guys follow my lead, like, and you will believe in each other and believe in what we're doing, and we're going to be really successful. And then, boom, we rattled off a ton of wins in a row and turned into one of the best teams in the country. So by the end of, you know, by the middle of my junior year, we realized, like, okay, like, we would run through a brick wall for him. Um, And that's because he cares about us, and he cares about our best interests, and he cares about winning. And that's easy to get behind. So the fact that um, these players come in and they want to – play for for Ohio State, they want to play for Coach Holman, they want to play for their teammates. Um, that's the mantra that Coach Holman uses day in and day out, um, playing for one another, playing for Ohio State. Um, so just the belief that surrounds the program is something that I don't know if it was quite exactly the same with Coach Mata because that's all I had to compare it to, but it was pretty, pretty special while I was there my last two years. In those last two years, I think that it's fair to say that, at least from an outsider's perspective, those last two teams that you were on overachieved what I think a lot of people both nationally and locally kind of expected from the team. Did you get the sense of that you either before the season or while it was happening? Like, Oh, we're, we're better than even we thought we were going to be. Yeah. I mean, anyone who knows me, I'm like a super nervous, like anxious person, especially when it comes to basketball season. So going into my junior year, I luckily I knew that I had another year after that. And, all the expectations that we had were so low and it's a new coach. So I was like, all right, anything good that happens this year is gravy. We get to go to the PK 80, which is an awesome tournament. We get to go 
um, to New York for the NCAA or for the Big Ten tournament. I mean, there's just going to be so many cool things that I can take from it, win or lose. So I kind of had a super positive mindset for the first time in my um, time yeah. at Ohio State. Um, not not positive is probably not the right word, but um, you optimistic. Mean my, yeah, and you know what nervous and anxiousness she passed on to me. So yeah, um, so yeah. But then once we get good, then I start getting nervous for every game because we're supposed to win and I want to win and and so, so yeah. So it went quickly went from no expectations to having a ton of expectations, so it made me nervous. So, but to answer your question, going into my junior year, I was not um, expecting anything, and when we overachieved, it was incredible. And uh, I mean, looking back on it, I mean, it's just it's just was the best year basketball in my life. So then going into my senior year, yeah, we had low expectations again, but. We had a good little crew going into it, um, but once one of the dudes transferred right before the year, boom, there goes the nervousness again. It's like, you know, it's more so this is my senior year. This is my last go around. Like, we better be good for, for me, selfishly. Um, so, yeah, but no doubt once we, we had a great start and then everything was in jeopardy towards the end of the year, I mean, the the ideas that we over to, overachieved doesn't matter unless we make it to the NCAA tournament because um, – but once we got to the NCAA tournament, oh my God, the weight that I felt was lifted off my shoulders just in terms of what it felt to have a successful season, regardless of what the expectations were, um, that was a pretty great feeling. So, uh, um, But to answer your question, no doubt that I think we overachieved my junior and senior year. Definitely my senior year. I mean, we had no business being in the NCAA tournament, being as good as we were. <laughs> I, th- I think the thing that both of those teams really stood out to me just, you know, watching it and covering it is how much fun it was to watch you guys. Like, and I don't know if you guys were having fun, you know, any different than in previous years or against, you know, or, you know, compared to any other teams, but just as a fan, it was fun to watch those teams play. Uh, And I think that translated to some of the excitement that the fans had as well. So I don't know if it had anything to do with the overachieving or the, the style or the talent or whatever, but it was just a fun couple of seasons for us might have been nerve-wracking for you but for you know speaking for me I thought they were a ton of fun yeah fun is a good word it's just when you're winning everything's fun so if we're looking from the inside out um it was fun to win it was fun to see these dudes playing harder than they've ever played in their careers um the style of basketball we were playing was was I mean style of basketball blah 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 that all goes out the window you just gotta win and so um the fact that we were winning and winning early and winning fast and beating teams pretty good and beating teams we weren't supposed to beat, all that stuff. And then the fact that I got to go in the games, you know, obviously that's fun for me. And obviously, of course, yeah. and uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, fun and winning is a direct correlation when you're a player. I mean, especially when you're a guy that's not playing. Um, if we won a game, that was fun. It, whether it was by two points or by 200 points, um, coach Holman always says to celebrate every victory. So we were, we were celebrating every victory for sure. Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, let's turn back to the the team that's going to be on the court this year. Uh, 
since Buckeye fans have never really seen him play unless they watched a bunch of Florida State basketball from a couple years ago, what type of player is C.J. Walker? What will he be bringing to the team this year since you got to practice with him for an entire season while he was sitting out after transferring? Yeah, C.J., oh, I, man, I cannot say enough good things about that dude. Uh, greatest guy ever. The fact that I just don't understand how you can be on a team knowing you're not playing every night no, you're not playing the entire year and still giving your absolute all in practice every single day and cheering so hard for your teammates on the bench. I mean, it's just kind of beyond me. So the fact that he has that mentality, first and foremost, shows you how much he cares about the team and the team's success. Um, but the dude can definitely play. Um, he's just a winner. Uh, people throw out the term bulldog all the time when they're talking about point guards in college basketball. He is the definition of a bulldog. Plays so, so hard. Um, he's got a great, he's got a, um, a great basketball mind. Um, he's a great leader. He, um, him and Andre, um, and a little bit Caleb, I would say will be the leaders of this team. I think he is just a born leader and he will definitely be the leader on the court, um, in the locker room in practice. Um, I got to see them practice a bunch of times, um, before this, obviously before this year starts and, and he's playing really well in practice. The dude just plays hard and he cares. Um, I just can't say enough good things about him. He just He's a winner. Um, I played and he was the scout team point guard with me. And I mean, we won a lot of drills that we had no business winning <laughs> in him. So um, the dude's a winner. Uh, I can't say enough good things. I'm his biggest fan and he knows that. Um, I'm so, so excited for him. He's turned into one of my best friends. I mean, I'm so, so excited for him. Yeah. You mentioned him and in the two Wesson brothers and it's specifically Andre, you know, potentially being a leader this season because he is the only senior on this team. And I think one of the cool things and one of the fun things, like I mentioned earlier, over the last two seasons has, has been to see Andre develop into the player that he is now. I, I, I have mentioned this on podcasts and in articles before, going back to the the game at Purdue in I don't know, February of 2018, where he had to like kind of guard the seven foot guy and shut him down in the second half. And he's become the glue guy for this team for, you know, pretty much since then. What being the only senior on this team, what do you expect to see from him? Not necessarily in terms of production, because, you know, whatever, that's not, you know, what I'm it's not something you can necessarily predict. But from a leadership perspective, now that he is the only senior, what do you think that he's going to be able to provide for what is essentially a pretty young team? Um, I think Andre has been so involved in Ohio State basketball for so long that he feels kind of the same way I felt going into my senior year, which was like, you know, the, the I see the light at the end of the tunnel, like it's do or die now. Um, we have to have a successful season and people are going to believe in him and, and you know, hop on his shoulders and, and go with him. So I think that being the only four-year guy, he will um, be called upon to do a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, he, as you kind of said, he can guard one through five. So if we're talking on the court, He'll be able to do just about anything that Coach Holtman needs him to do offensively or defensively. Um, but in terms of off the court, I mean, Holt, Coach Holt loves um, to bring in the older guys to talk about what's going on, how he can help, whether it's practice, off the court, in the classroom, um, whatever it might be. And the fact that Andre's been in those meetings for, you know, a year and a half already just shows you that that they believe in him and Holtman trusts um, um, Andre in a lot of different capacities. Um, I mean, beyond being a great basketball player, he'll be a great leader because he leads by example. He's not the loudest guy, um, but 
he plays so, so hard. I mean, this past year he got go for a loose ball, got his teeth knocked out, came back at the end of the game, free throws to help us win the game. I mean, so the dude um, just plays hard. And as long as, as long as these young guys follow him, follow his example, um, it's a no brainer. The dude is, he's awesome. Yeah. Well, we let's start wrapping up here. And you mentioned these young guys. Um, a lot's been made of this, you know, incoming freshman class. Uh, having been able to watch a little bit of practice leading up to this season, um, what do you what do you think that they're going to be able to do as freshmen? Do you think they're going to be able to, uh, you know, kind of crack the rotation? Anybody have a chance you think to uh, really significantly be a part of Coach Holtman's plans uh, uh, once the season starts uh, in a couple weeks? Uh, yeah, I mean. Like you kind of said, just a group of guys who are just super, super talent, oozing with talent. You hate to use the P word, but the potential is off the charts. Um, these dudes, um, they care about Ohio State basketball. They're great teammates. Um, if we want to go individually, uh, Ibrahim Diallo, he's got some room to improve for sure, no doubt. But he works his butt off. He plays really, really hard, and he cares about getting better. So that goes a long, long way. Um, and then in terms of the other three guys who were – um, who have been committed for, you know, maybe a longer period of time. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, DJ Carton is super, super talented. The, the most athletic dude that I've been around since I got to Ohio State for sure. Um, his quick twitch, fast twitch, whatever muscles the, the athletic people have that I don't have, his are ridiculous. Um, he, he tries to dunk everything. He will be so, so fun to watch. Um, he's great. I think. EJ Liddell plays so, so hard, and he brings like a Jay Sean Tate quality um, in terms of being maybe a little undersized, um, playing some five or four, um, but he can do a lot and he can shoot a little bit too, which helps. Um, let me go back and say it's not fair to compare anyone to Jay Sean Tate because that dude is sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's one of the greatest players in Ohio State history, I think. So anyway, then, then you look at Alonzo Gaffney, maybe the guy with the most pro potential just in terms of the way he's built and the way he plays, um, super, super athletic, could shoot the rock a little bit, play three, four, maybe even some five for us this year. Um, he's definitely got to get stronger. Um, those other guys, I, I think the only guy maybe with the um, with the ready body might be DJ. Um, I think EJ's got to um, turn some of some of his weight into more proper playing basketball, high level weight. Um, but I mean. Do I think any of them can crack the rotation? Absolutely. I think um, I talked about it a little bit on my podcast, but in terms of the starters, which you should not look into too much, especially with Coach Holtman to begin the year, it'll be the older guys. It'll be the guys that have been there that have played for Coach Holt. Um, but once the year gets going, he's not afraid to mix it up, and I think he will mix it up. And the starters might not be the guys finishing the games, um, but I think those freshmen will be definitely contributing a lot this year. Yeah, we've seen that throughout Coach Holtman's first two years that who the guys who start necessarily at the beginning of the season aren't always the starters once you get to January. And that's not necessarily an indictment on them, but there's obviously some sort of method behind his madness in terms of who's getting those uh, those starts early in the season. So I, I know that you're still super close to a lot of these guys. If not all of them, you're still close to the program. So uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but what do you think the ceiling is? I'm not asking you for like a realistic necessarily, at, you know, to predict where they finish or what their record is. But if everything goes as well as it can possibly go, how what is the ceiling for this team? How far can they go? Is it Sweet 16, Elite Eight? Is it national title? How far do you think this team can go if everything falls into place perfectly? Well, 
I know I can speak for the guys that I'm really close with who I've played with these past um, two years, at least some three, like Andre. Um, they want to make it to a Sweet 16. I know that that's a goal for sure because we've been so, so close the past two years. Um, so that's a, that's a personal goal if I'm feeling like I'm a we in the Ohio State basketball world. I really want us to make a Sweet 16 just to have some validation myself. Um, but if I'm looking at what I think the expectations, the true expectations should be for this team is they should be competing for the Big Ten regular season championship. Um, they, Without a doubt, the goal should be having a, uh, a two-round by being a top four seed in the Big Ten tournament. Um, looking beyond that, making the NCAA tournament is so, so awesome just in general, but it's cool to, to look at it as like going into the year, that's the – that's not the goal. That's the expectation. Um, so I definitely think that making the expect tournament, NCAA tournament is the expectation for them. Making the Sweet 16. What is their ceiling? I mean, uh, once you get in the NCAA tournament, it's all about matchups. And I mean, depending on who they play and what's going on, I mean, who knows how good these other teams are going to be? You know, like that's it's not fair for me to say that. Do I think they can win a national championship? I have no idea. <laughs> That's not fair for me to say. I will say that our coaching staff, I believe in them more than any coaching staff out there in the country just in terms of game pa- game planning, um, making adjustments on the fly, having the guys ready to go for a matchup. Um, I'll take them over just about anyone in the country. So um, if I'm – here's what I'm – here's what I'll say is my predictions. I think um, top, top four in the Big Ten, which gets us that um, double buy in the Big Ten tournament, if we win the Big Ten – awesome if not we were going to we're going to be close um in terms of the ncaa tournament i think we um we make it to the elite eight that's where that's where i see this team going i think that we'll be ranked in the top 15 throughout the entire season which as you can imagine it correlates to the sweet 16 then you just got to win a couple more games after that and it's just so weird to predict that stuff first of all because yeah, because I'm, I'm not a part of it for the first time and then also who knows what the matchups are going to be i mean we could be playing duke in the second round because they had a below average year and then they have 95 mcdonald's all americans on that team so i mean like <laughs> uh, it's just it's crazy i mean if we get a if we end up winning the big 10 and getting a number one seed then i mean like it it makes our chance of getting the elite eight like twice as good as if we're a three seed i mean it's just insane so um so yeah i, I those predictions have literally no worth to anyone but um yeah, I, I mean, I'm just excited about this team, and I'm exci- and I'm most excited for CJ Walker. If you can't tell that already, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think those, uh, even if they're not necessarily predictions, they're they're a good way to kind of gauge where this team could potentially go. And I think that's important when you have so many new pieces joining, whether it's CJ Walker as a transfer or all these really talented freshmen, uh, and then the guys who were you know freshmen and sophomores last year, obviously having to take over a bigger role on the team. I think that's important to know as somebody like you, who's on the inside to know what's possible. So I think that even if, you know, you, like you said, it's hard to say anything now in mid October, what it's going to happen in, you know, March and, and April, it's good to know that at least you think that the potential is there for some really good things to happen, you know, six months from now. Absolutely. And I mean, like, it's funny cause being on the inside, you hear a lot about um, this team is young. This team is young. This team is young. I just want the world to know that once the midway point hits in this season, those freshmen aren't freshmen anymore. So um, especially if they've been through the ring and they're playing a lot. So no excuses for being young. I know that's what coaches say all the time, but 
the guys like Dwayne Washington, Luther, you know, Justin Arns, they're not young anymore. They've been through the ringer. So that's why I'm excited for this team because you talk about them being young, but they are they might be young in age, but they are skilled and and uh, they're well versed in basketball. So um, I'm really excited for these guys. I mean, I I tell them every day how excited I am. I mean, I talk to Musa and Kyle um, and Danny Hummer probably the most out of anyone, and uh, those guys are super super excited to get rolling. So I can't. Wait. Yeah, and it's, they will definitely be well tested because the first few months of this season is insane in terms of the talent that they're going to be playing against with Kentucky and Villanova and North Carolina and West Virginia and, you know, some other non-conference games. So they will definitely be put through the ringer before the Big Ten season starts. Joey, thank you so much for, for doing this. Real quick, remind everybody where your live show is going to be on Thursday. This episode is we're recording on Monday. It'll come out on Tuesday. Um, and, and this live show is going to be happening in the Chicagoland area on Thursday. Where and when is that and how can they get more information? Yeah, so um, you can follow um, myself on Twitter, Joey Smoke 14 um, My co-host is, is Andrew Zoldin. Um, Drive the Lane podcast is uh, at Drive the Lane Pod on Twitter. Um, the live show will be at McGee's Tavern uh, from 7 to 9 Chicago time, which is central time. That's over at 950 West Webster in Chicago. Um, you, there's a lot of information on our um, on our on our Twitter. Um, we have an Instagram as well, but Twitter is where we get most of our news out. Um, we would love to see you there. If you say "Drive the Lane" when you walk in, you'll get special, special, special treatment. Of course, um, we're gonna have some great guests, um, some guys calling in, some guys in person, some Ohio State guys, some guys we've had on the podcast, some guys we haven't had on the podcast, um, and it's gonna be a lot, a lot of fun. So. I'm really looking forward to that. Really appreciate you having me on. This has been so, so fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you can't tell, I'm pretty excited about the Buckeyes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again. And uh, hopefully maybe we'll catch up with you again uh, later on as the season progresses. Absolutely. You let me know and I'll be back. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lane Grant Holy Land in conversation. Also, thanks, of course, to the great Joey Lane. If you are finding this podcast on the website, don't forget to go to your favorite podcasting app and subscribe so that you get all of the Land Grant Holy Land audio goodness this fall. We are bringing you at least one episode every single day during the football regular season, and we won't slow down much once basketball season hits. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. Follow Joey at JoeySmoke14. You can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt. That's BWWMATT. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. And go Bucks.